Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be, as Heather already said, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. And uh, I am anticipating that God has something for you this morning. I don't believe that we're to come to church and leave the same way that we came. Well, for those of you that believe you should come and leave the same way, God bless you. I will take yours. <laughs> I will take your blessing. I said, I don't want to leave church the same way that I came. I want his presence to touch me and change me and transform me. I want to grow deeper and more in love with the presence of the Lord. Amen. Slap your neighbor and say, it only gets better. <laughs> why, why do you keep having to slap our neighbors? Because some of them need to wake up. <laughs> Want to make sure that you're good and ready this morning to receive the word of the Lord. <laughs> this morning, I was not able to sleep very well. Um, Heather was sound asleep next to me, and the whole time while she's sound asleep, the Holy Spirit's poking me and prodding me and speaking to me about things to come. And so I said, okay, well, what does this look like? I have a message prepared, and I'll be more than willing to share it, but Lord, what, what are you doing? Have you ever been in that moment with the Lord where he just begins to stir you and to prompt you and poke at you in the early hours of the morning, and you would, flesh would rather say, be quiet, <laughs> let me sleep. Am I, am I really the only, y'all are just being spiritual this morning, right? And so uh, I just felt like I got a download from the Lord this morning, and I want to share some of those things with you. And if we get to the message, that's great. Um, but, but if not, that's okay too. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I just want to give you a scripture to preface what I'm about ready to share with you and uh, just kind of give you a little bit of direction here. Uh, where this is coming from, what I felt like the Lord was stirring in my heart. Um, is it all right if I just kind of share with you this morning as, as, as pastor and, and loving father and all of that in the mix? Okay, just make sure you're all okay with that. I, I, will, I will go slowly so you can take notes because I'm sure there are many who will take notes. Um, but uh, I, I do feel like God is doing something unique and something special uh, in these hours in which we live. Luke chapter 17, and I, I'm going to start in verse 22. It says, Then he said to the disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look here, look there. Do not go after them or follow them. Now, this is just an, this is a teaching. Jesus is teaching on the last days. And basically what he is saying is there will, there will be people in the last days who will... Uh, claim that they know when and where Jesus is coming. <laughs> How 
How many of you have seen that in the days? I mean, there's, uh, I, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was buying airtime and bullet, uh, billboards and, uh, you know, all over announcing the return of Jesus. We've seen that even in, you know, since the 80s and 90s. Those of you that have been around church circles long enough know that, that we've, we've had a lot of that over the years. And Jesus said that that's going to happen, but don't follow them. Don't go after them. Verse 24 says, For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. It's a picture of the quickness of Jesus' coming. No man knows, and it will be instantaneous. It will be the atomic second. It will be quicker than you and I can blink an eye. Jesus' return will come. It will happen. It will be over. I hope you're ready for that day. If you're not, I will tell you the day's coming. It's coming very soon. I, this, is not, this is not where I'm headed this morning. Uh, but I want to tell you that if you're here this morning and you're playing the fence, if you're in your Christianity and you're playing the fence, you're, well, how close? How close can I get to hell with, and still go to heaven? It doesn't work that way, my friends. It doesn't work that way. You can't, you can't play the line. Either you're in or you're out. You're hot or you're cold. There is no, there's no in-between. If you're trying to see what you can get away with, I would question your Christianity. When you're red hot for Jesus, you're not trying to play the line. What fence can I get on here this morning? You are passionately in love with Jesus and your life is consumed with him. There is no in between. So I want to challenge you this morning that if you're playing the fence of Christianity, time is running out. You are not guaranteed your next breath. All of scripture, I believe that all of the signs of the times and the things that have been prophesied for Christ's return are really being fulfilled. His return is imminent. It could be in our very next breath. And I want to say to you that if you walk out this door this morning, you could be standing face to face with Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you that that is very real, very re real reality. You say, well, I've heard this before and, and I'm still here. It's by the mercy of God that you're still here. It's by the grace of God that you're still sitting in this pew this morning. It's by the grace of God. As Jonathan Edwards said, you are but hanging by a string. And the only thing that keeps you out of eternal damnation is the grace and the mercy of God in your life. At any given moment, that string could be cut and you would find yourself in the pit of hell. There is nothing. There is nothing but the mercy and the grace of God that has kept you where you are today. And I would tell you, stop playing Russian roulette with your time. Stop playing games with your Christianity and get on fire for God while you still have the opportunity. You missed an opportunity to shout. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Verse 25. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation if that's not the generation in which we live, I don't know what is. I mean, I, I think that's a great picture of the day in which Jesus was living. He was rejected. He was crucified. But uh, we live in a day that has rejected Christianity. We, we live in a day and a time that they have rejected the message of Christ. Um, I saw on Facebook, this is just a silly example, but example nonetheless, I was on, you know, great old Facebook, um, the judgment of God on mankind is what that's known as. Uh, that's their slogan. You just didn't know it. Um, but somebody had posted a picture of one of the um, uh, volcanoes that was erupting and somebody posted, there was lightning in the volcano. It was a, it was a called a dirty thunderstorm. It was, it was pretty cool looking. And somebody posted on, on under there and, you know, 
I'm sure everyone just chalked them up to a doomsday uh, preacher, but said, God is coming. And the comments that came back just on that one comment blasted, blasting this person for their stance and, and just saying God's coming. And, you know, everything from God is already here. There is no such God. I mean, it was just it, it, unbelievable. And to think about that those things are being said in America. So this generation has rejected him. And as it was, and this is the verse that I want to zero in on here for a moment. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. The flood came, destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out, Sodom it, out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be at the day of the Son of Man when he is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you... And that night there will be two men in, two, two men in one bed. The one, the one will be taken, the other left. The two women will be grinding together. The other will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field. The other one will be taken, the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? And so he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. I just want to take a look for a moment uh, at, at some of the things I feel like is transpiring, taking place in our generation uh, and uh, to take a look at the revival church that God is raising up in this day. What does it mean? We have said and we've talked about we want to be a New Testament church. We want to be a Pentecostal church. We want to be full of the ministry as it, were, as it was in the day of Acts. Amen? Is that what you want? <laughs> That's, if, that's not what you, if that's not what you want, if you don't want a New Testament church and you don't want a church as in the day of the book of Acts, you're in for a lot of heartache, my friend, because that is the church that's coming. Amen. Jesus is not coming back for a church that's less powerful than the one that he left. If, the, if, you're, if, you're not, if your intention and your heart is not for the, for the church that is set ablaze by the fire of the Holy Spirit and that is actively engaged in evangelistic outreach and winning souls, then you're going to be sadly disappointed in the church. You can, go, you can go down the road and join a church that's false church. I got quiet in here. It's reality. You can, you can be a part of a church that's not actively engaged in soul winning and passionately pursuing the presence of God and they're preaching a message that makes you comfortable and okay with your sin. Revelation describes that as the false church that partners with the Antichrist in the last days. You will see that take place. We will see that in our day. The false church is taking a stand. It's rising up. Why do they have so many numbers? Why is the false church gaining so much ground? Because it's prophesied. It's God working his judgment to come in the lives of people who have rejected him. There is a day coming 
Jonathan Edwards talked about the day of wrath, that those who have rejected Christ, this generation that's rejected him, are storing, just like the saints, store up bowls of prayer, our, our prayers and our lives, our incense before the Father. Those that are living in condemnation and guilt are storing up bowls of wrath for the day of judgment. I don't know about you, but I want to be in the place where the bowl tips because of prayers that I've prayed, not tipping because of the judgment of God. I want, I want the grace and the mercy and receive all the blessings of the Lord. I'm, I'm just setting the stage for you, friend. I'm not trying to make you mad or get you upset with me. I'm just setting the stage for where we're headed this morning. If you're uncomfortable, that's good. Amen. A couple things that I want to point out here about the, the church. I just jotted some things down, like I said, early this morning and and uh, I want to share these with you. First thing that I felt like God was saying regarding this church and revival church, let me back up before I start this. In the days of Noah, let me just set the stage. In the days of Noah, there was a great population increase. When you have people that are, are living as long as they were, 900, 600, 700 years, uh, there's great opportunity for, for a population increase. Uh, they, were having, they, were they were fulfilling the plan of God. They were multiplying and taking dominion over the earth. And we're seeing the same thing happen in our day. There's a, there's a population increase and people are living longer. Uh, so there's, we see some of the similarities there. There was uh, violence. People were violent. They were involved in, in sinful behaviors. Not only were they perfecting their skills and their talents. Well, how many of you know when you live six, seven, eight, nine, years, you have the ability to perfect your industrial rev revolution is really what was happening in uh, Noah's day. They were discovering the metals and so forth and learning how to build and construct things much like the day in which we live. There's uh, technology advancements and, and advancements uh, in, in, in how we operate and build and construct. All of these things is happening all around us. Violence is on the increase. The history the history of, of that time period, if you go back and even if you take a look at the Babylonians, uh, there was his, historical markers of famine and increase of disease and pestilence during the days of Noah. And so we take a look around again at society. Just take, just take a look at things around us uh, from everything from Ebola to all of the diseases and pestilence and famines and earthquakes in Nepal and two earthquakes yesterday, one in, one in the north and one in the south here in the States. And all of these things transpiring. I would say that the world around us is rocking and reeling in the uh, soon coming and the revelation, the Bible says, that creation itself, Romans says that creation itself groans for the revelation of the sons and the daughters of God. Why are we seeing all these things happen? Because creation it was created, if you can follow me here for a moment, creation was created to display the glory of God. When sin came in the, in, into the world, and just like with man and us, it, be, it left a, a mar, it, it left a mark on creation and no longer does creation fully display the glory that it once had in the Garden of Eden. You all still with me? And so it is creation just like us. We are longing for the return of Christ. Creation is longing for the day that the sons and daughters are revealed. It is the greatest display of the glory of God. Amen. That the, the God redeems fallen man is the greatest display of his glory. 
And creation is waiting for that day. Why? Because it knows that it's going to be made new. It's going to be renewed. And so in this day, in this time frame in which we live, God is raising up a, a church. And in, for lack of a better term, I, I say revival church. But New Testament, what does that look like practically in, in the church of not just America, but church around the world. And uh, if we take a look at history, we take a look at scripture, and uh, there are things that I believe uh, that can give us indicators of what's coming. And I, I've jotted down uh, 20 different items, and that sounds like a lot. I'm going to fly through them because my intention was not to preach this, but to just give these to you. Uh, but since I only have Sunday mornings at this time, uh, we'll start Sunday night soon. I'll give it to you on Sunday morning. Y'all okay with that? All right, number one, first thing, services will look more like prayer meetings rather than social gatherings. How many, how many churches come together for a social gathering and, uh, uh, you know, a bless me club? If you take a look at the New Testament church and you take a look at the churches of revival in history, they were not social gatherings. They were there to pray. They were there to hear from the Lord. They were there to hear from their apostolic leadership, their covering. They will have an emphasis on worship, apostolic instruction, and prayer. Now, I realize some of you may hear some of these words and have, you've not been taught uh, what these things mean. And so uh, I, will, I will do my best to walk slowly through some of this and explain this as we go. Uh, emphasis on worship, apostolic instruction, and prayer. Services and churches will look less like clubs and social gatherings, and, and they'll look less like hospitals or nursing homes where we come in and we nurse the sick but never see them healed. We, we feed and cater to the, to the folks in their depravity, but we never uh, see them transformed and send them back out. You all hear what I'm saying this morning? And they'll, so they'll change, the, they'll change the dynamics here from, from, the, from the hospital. How many of you have ever heard the church is a hospital before? I've got news for you. The church is not a hospital. It's more like a mass unit. <laughs> it's like get sick, get up, and go out. Go back about the business of the kingdom. Sometimes we put people in the ICU units and hospital, and we leave them there forever. <laughs> well, you just need to stay in the ICU. You'll get better. It's okay. No, no, that's not the intention of the New Testament church is get healthy, get whole, go out and win souls. And so I think that that day's coming. That's going to be more of a tent meeting atmosphere where we'll see winning of souls, healings, miracles, signs, and wonders, quickly training and equipping and sending people out. Amen. 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 With the change in meetings and the change of the heart of the people, time restraints will be less and less and give way to greater expectation of things to come. So I think the, the dynamics of a church service is going to look a little bit different. We've seen, we've seen glimpses of this and in times and periods of this uh, in our lives, in our ministry. And I, I can tell you that um, even if you go back to Azusa Street, you take a look at Azusa Street as an example of this. Their services, uh, you know, the history says that they were lucky that William Seymour, if he would even get up and preach... If he did get up and preach, it was preceded by hours of worship, hours of prayer, hours of testimony, repeat, and then he might get up and actually preach a word. Y'all with me this morning? So we have a focus, and I'm not saying that preaching the word is bad. I'll get there. I think, I think how we preach and what we preach is going to change dynamics a little bit, but, uh, but I'll get there. Number two, that was all number one. 
I should have sent these to the media folks so they could put them up there for you. Number two, I told you the Holy Spirit kept me up all night about this. Yeah, there you go. Number two, this will give way to more of a 24-7 church. Church with an emphasis on home meetings and daily gatherings. Um, the, the, what God is doing in his church as a body, the, the ministry, the dynamics changing, will give way to an importance of the priesthood of the believer, which I'll talk about in a moment, which means that those in the church will engage in home meetings. I'm not talking about starting home churches. Don't, I'll slap you if you start going off trying to... <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. People tend to do that when they get offended with leadership and they go out and, well, that pastor doesn't do it how I think he should, so I'll start my own church. I can do it better. Well, great. Knock yourself out. But (laughs) there will be an emphasis on home groups, home meetings. We saw this, um, if I can refer back to a time of ministry in our own lives, we were... were, um, well, we're going back to China. We see this very prevalent in China. They have, they have a large gathering. They call it an English gathering because, um, you know, the government obviously being communist is very strict on what happens within church gatherings. If you are a recognized, state-recognized church, you, there are certain things you can't preach and teach, and there's things you can't do. And so if you are going to be a full gospel church in China, uh, there, you know, you're an English gathering, basically. And you're there to teach English, but you still do the, you're doing full gospel ministry. For example, uh, China does not allow you to baptize new believers. You cannot baptize them in water because it is a public declaration. And they have a problem with people making public declarations of their faith. Um, And so if you do that, matter of fact, our friends do theirs in their bathtub. (laughs) And so you can't do public declarations. water baptisms. You can't take communion publicly. Again, you're making a public declaration of your faith, and China does not endorse that. And so um, the, the small groups or the home groups are the, really the backbone of the church, and we saw this even more so a couple years ago. Um, our, our friend that's there, uh, had a, and he's had many visits from the government uh, that's not unusual. You know, the government will show up and just say, hey, we're watching you. There's cameras all over. And he was, in, he was actually in a government-purchased building, so they're obviously watching everything that happens in that building. And uh, they said, we're watching. Don't give altar calls. We don't want you giving altar calls. You can have people raise their hands, but you can't give altar calls. He kept doing altar calls. So one day they show up. They had had some special meetings planned word got out about the special meetings, the government shows up, shuts them down, arrests him, and brings him to jail where they begin to interrogate him about his meetings. Now listen, that's unusual. You know, we think, well, it's communist country. That's unusual for a communist country, China specifically, that wants good relationship with America to actually arrest an American citizen, interrogate them. That's a big deal. Um, And so they uh, arrest him. Well, immediately... Their, their large gathering broke up into small home groups and word spread underground very quickly of their home meetings. And what was a large gathering became really structured and, and 
the backbone of that became their home meetings because they can no longer uh, do public large gatherings. And when they do, it has to be a secretive text and tell, we're going to meet here, do this, and we'll get together in a large English gathering somewhere else. So it's very strategic. Um, why do I share that story? Because that's where America's heading. That's where we're headed. As much as you want to say and believe and claim that that, that day's not going to happen, it's soon on the horizon. Christians are becoming the enemy. And so we're, we're quickly approaching the day where persecution is going to increase. Uh, and we'll talk about that also here in a second. So 24-7 prayer uh, or, or meetings, daily home gatherings. Uh, these will be led by lay leadership. There's going to be an understanding of leadership in the church. Uh, greatest recognition of apostolic leadership, training recognition, operation, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So home meetings. Well, uh, these, I have long notes I'm flying through here. Number three. Number three, worship will be less man-focused. We're going to talk about worship uh, as we gather together. Worship will be less man-focused and more supernatural with more spontaneous spiritual songs, intercession, and prophetic in nature. So worship right now in many churches is focused on what makes man happy. What, what can we sing? I'm looking at Pastor Grace. I wish... What can we sing that, that will tickle people's ears and make them okay? What, what can we sing that they know and understand so we can, do, we can have a right, we can have a, we can have a song service? It's, you know, that's not, wor- that's not worship. One of the things that I believe that's happening, we're seeing this happen even in our day, if you'll take a look around. And I, and I believe that this is a characteristic of the church that God is establishing that, that we will have a true focus on heavenly worship that will, will almost be spontaneous because we're not used to it. It will be spontaneous in nature where those who are leading the worship will have a, will have a supernatural revelation of, of the sound and the realities of heaven and begin to release those on earth. That's what we need. You know, there's 24-7 worship hap- happening in heaven. The elders are worshiping in heaven right now. Right now, the angels are worshiping in heaven. Right now, there is a sound in heaven. Jesus, the Bible even says, that Jesus is singing over you and I. So there, there, is, a, there is a really awesome sound going on right now that our natural ears aren't attentive to. But as we begin to, as this, as this veil, if you will, gets thinner and thinner, and we step into intimacy with God, we'll be able to hear those things a lot clearer. And we'll be able to release those. There, there are those here in this church that you have the gift of, of songwriting and music and, and instrument and singing. And the, there are gifts in you that have yet to be released to their fullest capacity uh, because you've not yet stepped into this place of intimacy that's required to hear those things. You know, uh, God doesn't, and I'm stealing a quote from Leonard Ravenhill here, but uh, God doesn't shout his secrets. When you you go out and you you have a secret you want to tell somebody, you're going to get real close. You're going to get up in their business. You're going to be real intimate, and you're going to share your secret. If God has something special he wants to tell you and reveal to you, which I believe that he does, you're going to have to have some intimacy. So worship will... Uh, be spontaneous spiritual songs, intercession. That's, that's a whole nother. We're going to see, I believe, a, a blending of the, the pastoral. And, and 
and I'm, I'm using the word apostolic because we, we don't understand that, but it's really, and I, and I hesitate to use it because I realize most churches in our day have abused that term, but really the, the pastoral covering, if you will, the leadership uh, of the church, there will be a blending of, of the fivefold, there we go, there's a good word to use, fivefold ministry, the intercessors and the worshipers. Right now, uh, you have your intercessors, the people that have a gift of prayer and they, an intercession, it's a God gift, it's a burden on their heart to pray and intercede. They're somewhere in their back closet somewhere and they never make their way to the front of the church, which is fine, but the church needs intercessors who will lead the way. If you go through the Old Testament, you take a look at scriptures, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. So there, there, are, there is a need for the prayer leaders, the intercessors to step forward, but it does not negate the power or the ministry or the effectiveness of the pastoral covering or the worship. They need to blend. When you begin to blend them together, there's a unified sound that goes up and goes out. If you take a look in scripture, that's, that's when the victory was brought. When there was battles and warfare, when you, had the, when you had the intercessors and the worshipers and the leadership all in unity. So that's important. Um, number four, teaching and ministry will move from self-help. Now, this is, this is key. Teaching and ministry will move from self-help to strategic instruction and direction for evangelism and supernatural ministry. Now, I'm not just talking about what's coming from the pulpit. I'm talking more of what's coming from the laity, the lay leaders or the, the, the support staff or the support pastors and the leadership within the church. There will be a change, if you will, of focus from trying to make everybody have a, have a better life, if you will, in this life to how do we take what God's given us and impact the world around us. It's, uh, we'll have to become, why, and why is that? Because most people don't understand how to flow in the anointing. They don't understand, like just, just like this morning, it's a great example, just like this morning, I said, turn to someone, ask God for a scripture, and turn to someone and give them that word. Probably two-thirds of the crowd just kind of looked at me. And there's nothing, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's the reality of where we're at. It's the reality of our generation is that most people do not engage in the spiritual gifts because they don't know how. They've never been taught. They've never been instructed. And so there is a need, and as new converts come in, there's a greater need for teaching people how to evangelize and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. So very crucial. Number five, pulpit ministry will become more prophetic in nature with evangelistic overtones. What I mean by that, prophetic in nature is what I'm doing right now. It's taking the scripture and it's making it applicable, declaring the word of things that will come, making the connection for you, giving you strategic insight as to what God's doing. And secondly, the Bible says that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus and that it will glorify Christ. There's a ministry of exalting Christ. There's an evangelistic message tied in and prophetic in nature. Y'all follow so far. That's, that's prophetic. It's less... Um, Pulpit ministry will become less and less for the church that becomes the, the church that yields, not every church, but the church that yields to the to the uh, what God's raising up in this revival church or this New Testament church. The pulpit will become less of a place of teaching and good information, become more of a place of prophetic and declarative messages. Um, 
probably similar to what you might hear here. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more intense. I don't know. We'll see. Y'all still with me? Number, number six. Clear, a clear development of biblical leadership structure um, and the recognition of the priesthood of the believer. We have a huge disconnect in most churches these days that, that the, uh, the function of the church is based on who's behind the pulpit. Um, and who's in the leader? We have this. We have a disconnect that all of all of the ministry, all of the things that take place, is all about the man. That's not biblical. Everyone in this room is a priest unto God. Everyone in this room has a ministry. Everyone in this room can operate in the spiritual gifts. Now that's not. Now listen. That's not minimizing the pastoral ministry. Proper recognition of spiritual authority is understanding the fivefold calling. Proper spiritual authority means that you understand, you recognize the pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist. Um, did I say apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist? I said teacher, didn't I? I can't believe I'm, did I say teacher? I'm, lo I'm losing somebody there. <laughs> Pastor, thank you. <laughs> I was missing somebody in that mix. You don't, you won't, you have to recognize that covering. You have to recognize that spiritual leadership and uh, understand that when you, when you flow under, when you come under your spiritual covering, I was so blessed. I won't say any names. I won't point anybody out, but I was so blessed. Uh, we had a, a someone within the past couple of weeks situation, I don't even know all the details. Um, it was one of those situations that I got after the fact. And um, someone was ministering to someone at the altar and, and was asked to stop because, you know, we have, we have structure at the altar. We want to create a safe environment. It was a newer person. And I was so blessed. I got a card today from my wife. She handed me a card. It was the person saying, I'm so sorry I want to be teachable. I want to come into alignment with the authority in the church, whatever I need to do. I love that. I love that. Because why? Why? It's understanding spiritual authority. It's understanding spiritual authority. When you step in under your spiritual authority, when you come under spiritual authority, all of the anointing and the blessing and the covering from the top flows down. It's just like being in the military. Those of you that are in the military, you don't step out of line with those who are over you. The minute that you step out of order, you get forcibly put back in order. Uh, there will be a corrective, corrective action that takes place. And the same is true within the church. Um, you know, the it's funny because the enemy, if you look through scripture, the enemy has rank and file and order and uh, the church has missed it. But when we begin to operate in that and flow in the, the anointing and the calling of God in our lives and under the authority that God's placed, it releases, the Bible says, the commanded blessing of the Lord in our lives. Amen. Amen. So the priesthood of the believer is again understanding the authority that you have as a believer. That you don't have to... Uh, put it all on the pastor to do your work of evangelism, to flow in spiritual gifts, to lead a home group, to do ministry. You can engage in supernatural ministry. If you've been born again for even for two minutes, engage. <laughs> engage in supernatural ministry. Number seven, there will be a clear establishment of fundamental doctrines. We talked about this a little bit last week. Jesus saves he heals, he baptizes in the Holy Spirit, and he's coming back. And I, I, 
this morning, the Holy Spirit challenged me on this, and, he, and he, he said, yes, those are fundamental, but one of the other doctrines that the church will, will recognize and must recognize that the modern church is not recognizing and living by is sanctification. And uh, I, was, I was actually quite challenged by that because I've always, um, you know, four square message. Jesus saves, he heals, he baptizes in the Holy Spirit, he's coming back. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, if you will look at history, and if you will go back and study scripture, sanctification was a key doctrine, and the church is missing it today. That's very true. Very true. we've, We've taught a gospel that once you pray a prayer, you're on your way to heaven. That's not the message of the gospel. Just because you pray a prayer doesn't mean that you're born again. I know that I'm rattling some cages on that one. But if, you, if you'll look at your Bible, doesn't mean, just because you pray a prayer does not mean that you bear fruit of repentance. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Number eight. There'll be a greater emphasis on personal prayer life and intimacy with God. We talked about this last time. I was actually going to preach this morning on the power of prayer. doesn't look like I'm going to get there. Um, but, but your prayer life, in James 5.16, it says the effectual fervent prayer. And somebody, Heather, can you check that? I want to make sure I use the right reference. James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, makes tremendous power available. Uh, the Greek there, I taught on this a couple of weeks ago. The Greek there is the, it indicates, if you will, uh, that our prayer life is like the electrical wire that runs to the light. And so the word of God tells us what power is available. Jesus has made that power accessible to us by his death and resurrection. The Holy Spirit makes that power effective in us. And then our prayer life is the wire that that power flows through. And so you can have, you know, I I called one of my electrician friends and said, explain this to me. And so if you have, if you have a 16 gauge wire, you can power a, uh, a lamp, a household lamp. If you want your, if you want your lamp to be a household lamp, then you can have a 16 gauge prayer life. But if you want your life to be, you know, a baseball stadium, you're going to need, you know, five, 600 gauge wire. You're going to have to raise up the the wire gauge and get more power flowing through there. And the same is true of our prayer life. If we want the power of God flowing through our life, we've got to make sure that we're spending time in prayer and intimacy with God. It's absolutely crucial. You will, you will never Whatever, whatever ministry it is that God's called you to, whatever you feel like God's placed you in, the people you're around, ministering to the people at work or school or home, wherever, you will never fully fulfill your ministry if you don't have a prayer life. You'll never fully fulfill it. Why? Because you don't have any power flowing through. And some of you, your prayer life looks like it's been frayed and chewed up by the dog a little bit. <laughs> We need new cords. We need to get our prayer life reengaged. Absolutely important. Number nine, greater increase of the body learning to operate in the spiritual gifts and a greater understanding of the anointing and operation with spiritual authority. Well, there's got to be, and I've talked a little bit about this, but uh, we have to have an understanding of flowing in the anointing and under, you know, that is so vital. And we've lost the instruction. One of the things that I take time to teach every intern, any intern that's around, you're going to learn how to flow in the anointing. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, 
that's required. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to follow me around in a prayer service. You're going to be in, in a place to witness and experience that. Where I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to take time in, in meetings. and enter. Why? Because we have a generation of pastors and leaders that have no clue about the anointing. You know, the, we call the anointing it. You know, you got to have it. Send it on down. You know, all those things. We're all guilty of those things. The anointing is a person. The anointing is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. So we've got to learn how to flow and operate with the Holy Spirit. We have to learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, not be in rebellion to or in conflict with the Holy Spirit. It's important. Thank you, Lord. Number 10. I talked about last week the synergy of the generations, the generations, the younger generation, the older generation coming together. I think that's huge. Uh, we're gonna, that has to happen where there's an embrace between the two. There's no longer conflict between the two. Number 11, an increase. Now, this is, I thought this was interesting. Um, I would have, again, it takes the Holy Spirit sometimes to show you things because you're like, I would have never put two and two together. I mean, it makes sense. You've ever been there where the Holy Spirit shows you something? You're like, wow, that makes sense. But I never would have connected the dots between that. And, and this is one of those. Um, it, there will be an increase in deliverance and inner healing due to the amount of addiction and immorality in our culture with the everything goes attitude. And again, you know, it's like one of those things you kind of glance over. When the Holy Spirit said that, well, that makes perfect sense. We've, we've got a culture where everything goes of course, we're going to see more demons, and of course, we're going to see more deliverance. There's got to be inner healing that's got to be dealt with. And, and I would add to that this thought that it will be done with greater balance than it's been done in years past. Um, how many of you have been around long enough that you've heard of pigs in the parlor? Okay, or you, you've heard of the, goof, the goofiness in inner healing. And when, when you hear terms like deliverance or inner healing, you're, you know, the hairs on the back of your neck kind of go up and you're like, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. What you talking about there, pastor? That is due to improper training. You have, you have leadership who have never experienced that, have never gone through that, have never uh, studied scripture and saw what it was all about. And so you end up with people who are in, a, in an extreme we talked a couple weeks ago about living in the peripherals. You end up people with people in the peripherals, not biblically sound or based. Um, and that's why we have to have the teaching. That's why we have to have people that are teaching the doctrine. So, uh, again, the, the increase of the importance of the teaching. Um, but, but I do believe that the, the deliverance and inner healing, I don't think we need to... <laughs> I'll say this and I'll get off this. I don't think we need to call out every demon and know every demon's name. <laughs> All I need to know is it's a demon and it's got to go. <laughs> I don't want it. You don't need it. <laughs> and I definitely don't want it in my church. So you're going to go. <laughs> on, on a side note of that, some may have been wondering what was going on last week. Uh, we had a fabulous service last week, and, um, you know, we had a gentleman that, and I'll just very talk very practically here, um, had a gentleman that had been in 20 years of drug abuse, 20 years of a homosexual lifestyle, and um, all, of the, all the goriness that goes along with that, lie after lie after lie, sitting in church, told that he couldn't walk, told that he had no strength, no energy, 
uh, would never get out of his wheelchair, all of these things, in service, gets up and walks. It was awesome. Total supernatural touch from God, strength in his body. And then while, you know, then while we're preaching, we've had this happen a couple of times while I've been preaching. We've had people scream out, demons and things start manifesting, and that's all normal. <laughs> Happened in the New Testament church. We're okay with that. They'll get delivered or they'll leave, and uh, it's really quite simple. So while we're preaching, I opened up with reading from Acts. The gentleman falls on the floor and you know, starts manifesting a demon, and there was a loud thump and a little bit of commotion. And that's okay. I like that kind of commotion. <laughs> I like that kind of commotion. Gets up after, after getting delivered, set free, sits back, tells uh, one of our leaders later, I have no idea what just happened. And so they walked them through how they had just gotten set free. All of that demonic influence and all the things that was going on in their life came out. And uh, they said, I don't know what happened. All I know is I wanted to kill myself when I came into church. And now I have joy. I have peace. All the pain's gone. And it gets better. <laughs> Has a son that he hasn't spoke to in 8, 10 years, whatever it is, 20 years, whatever. It's been a long time. Has a son that he hasn't talked to. Went home after church that day, got on the phone with his son and said, son, I'm so sorry, I haven't talked to you. The son's crying on the phone. Dad, why haven't you called? He went over and spent the night with his son and reconciled that relationship. That's the power of God. So that's what we're all about. Number 12, <laughs> there'll be greater persecution. Certain, number 12, there'll be certain persecution. Greater persecution, I'll fly. Great, we may have to do part two. Greater persecution, uh, certain ministry and messages will be considered illegal or socially unacceptable. Uh, we're starting to see those things happen. Um, with this, though, with the increased persecution, I told uh, somebody, uh, we were talking about the, the gay marriage situation, and I said, you may have to come uh, get me out of jail. But um, that's okay. Um, I never would have thought when I was 14 years old, when God called me into ministry, I never would have thought you'd have to go to jail in America for the gospel. Would never, never would have crossed my mind, but we're soon approaching those days. Uh, but with that persecution, uh, there will also be an increase of the false church. This is what I was talking about. The false church will rise up, and there will be preaching. What it will be their message? Universalism and antinomianism. That is the message, that everybody's going to heaven, it, paint, it paves the way for an antichrist because it no longer do you need the true Messiah anybody will do because I'm going to heaven. And show me a few miracles and I'm good to go. How do you know the difference? Does he proclaim Jesus? Is he proclaiming Jesus is the only way? And so with that, the false church will make an alliance with the Antichrist. There will be all of these things that begin to transpire. Someone asked me, do you believe that uh, Jesus is coming back before all this happens? I would love it if he did. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'd love to be a first loader. I mean, I want to go when that trumpet sounds. But, uh, but if he doesn't, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. Yep. 
Thank you, Jesus. Um, we also see in Noah, I think this is interesting with the days that we live, we see in Noah's generation that Jesus said that they were marrying and giving in to marriage. Uh, they were taking marriage lightly, in other words. There was a, there was a loose connection with, with genuine marriage. And uh, marriage was an issue. If, if it wasn't, I mean, all of the things, all of the things that Jesus could have pointed out about the days of Noah, he points out marriage. I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying something if you follow. <laughs> Number 13, uh, persecution will then place a demand on the believers to rise to the occasion. There will be, a, there will be a new passion, new fire within the believers. Number 14, there will be a great demand for discipleship. Great demand. There will be an influx of young converts, and everybody in this room is going to have to be discipling somebody. Yeah. If you're not currently engaged in discipleship, get ready. You should be. It's coming. The day's coming. <laughs> all of you have enough anointing in you at least to move an anthill. So we're all, we're good. <laughs> you are good. You could disciple somebody. Number 15, this is the one that I really wanted to get to. Um, humanitarian needs will become a greater opportunity for ministry. The government will be incapable of providing what the church can provide. Less emphasis will be on church events and more emphasis on personal evangelism and strategic evangelism um, will be coupled with humanitarian needs. Why is that? Human, uh, just, just looking around us, disasters, wars, violence, pestilence, disease, all of these things create opportunities and we've, we've separated largely in our society humanitarian from the church. And really, it ought to be the church that becomes the place of supernatural ministry. In the book of Acts, if you go back to the very beginning, what, were the, what, was, the, what was the purpose of the deacons? Let's just go there. Where, where, <laughs> why, why did the apostles say we need deacons? Because there was a fight in the food line. The widows weren't being fed, and they were complaining about the food and who wasn't getting fed. And so the apostles said, look, we can't stop preaching the gospel. We can't stop our ministry to take care of the... There was obvious a large humanitarian effort going on in the New Testament church. It wasn't, it wasn't the focus... It wasn't the focus of the ministry. The focus of the ministry was souls. It was the baptism. There was twofold everywhere they went. Have you been born again? And have you received since you believed? That was the message. That was the continual message of the, of the, of the apostles. And so I would say that there's going to be an increase of that, which is exciting just on a practical note as a pastor, seeing what we're having happen with the, with the Hope Center, the and that really becoming an outreach arm of the church and what's coming together there uh, with our food pantry. Our food pantry is serving about 20 families a week and uh, all those kinds of, that's awesome. You, pull, you begin to feed them and you begin to uh, nurture them in the natural and soon you're drawing them and wooing them in. Um, so we'll stop there. What number was I on? We'll give, I'll give you 16. Just as a freebie. Is this, am I boring y'all? Don't say yes. <laughs> You'll hurt my feelings. <laughs> Number 16. There will be a desire for less cluttered Christianity. No fluff or hype and get rid of the socially acceptable. 
it will be the ministry as an acts, presence-driven, not success-driven. Um, I thought that was interesting. Less cluttered Christianity. <laughs> I, I thought, the Holy Spirit, you, you choose some really interesting words sometimes. Cluttered, because that's really what we've done. Is it not? That's really what we've done in the church is we've cluttered it with all of the, we've got to have all the outward trappings and really, God just called us to be the church and let the signs, the wonders, the miraculous, the power of God speak for itself. The, the reason we've developed a cluttered Christianity is because we're not on our knees in prayer. We're not, we're not engaging as the priesthood of the believers. We're not doing what, we're, what we were called to do, and so we have to create something to draw people in. And so if we, if we begin to be the church that God's called us to be, then we don't have to create something to draw people in. It's just going to happen because we're doing the work of the church. Thank you, Lord. Um, well, I'm sorry I didn't get to my message this morning. <laughs> we'll, we'll finish that thought uh, maybe next week, but that, that's 16 of the 20. I think number 17, let me just give you those real quick. You know me, I just can't stop. If you're on a time schedule this morning, well, that, that, that will change. According to the Holy Spirit, that will change. Um, 17, there will be an increase of mergers in the church and ministries. Uh, to make better use of funds, instead of, you know, one of the problems that we're seeing is people are going out planning churches, planning churches, planning churches, but there's no, there's no uh, structure or st strategy in what they're doing, and they're failing. Um, most, uh, someone told me this the other day, and I, I'm going off of face value here, but they said that there's only uh, just a handful of church plants that have actually survived in Akron. Most of them have shut down. And that's not just an Akron problem. That's, that's really a, that's an America problem. Um, the, the problem that we're having is a lot of the people that are starting, and if anyone's listening to this on podcast or in the room that might get offended, please don't. It's just, it is reality. The problem is what we're doing is we're putting people in places of ministry they ought not be in. Where the Bible says not to exalt a novice too quickly, and we're putting people in too quickly, and really they ought to be leading a home group and proving themselves, and then being launched out. And then the second uh, problem with that is we're not connecting it to the local church. Uh, we have organizations that are planting churches and not the local church planting organizations, and that becomes where the failure yeah. enters is because God established his local church as the governing authority, not, not an organization. God sets fivefold leaders over the church for a reason. That is the that is the governing authority within the church. <laughs> and so our difficulty then becomes when we do things that are outside of the word of God, which is obviously always a conflict. I'm I by the way, I am all for church plants and I think we need to plant churches, but I think we need to do it right. I think we need to do it right. Um, and then with that, so we'll see mergers within the churches, ministries uniting, ministries that are of like mind, like heart, uniting together um, to do the work of the ministry more effective. And again, you have home groups that are meeting, that are strategic, that are effective. The, the lay people are engaging in the work of the ministry, understand the priesthood of the believer, and there's, there's less demand on the fivefold because the people are engaged in doing the work of the ministry. 
Right now, in most churches, if the pastor's not at every hospital visit, if the pastor's not at every phone call, if the pastor's not represented by every person in the church, somehow, some way, people get mad and leave the church. That's not scripture. That's not, that's, that is not the biblical standard for, for the pastor of the church. Y'all love me? Okay. Just saying. Number 18. Uh, greater generosity. Okay, I love this one too. Greater generosity in giving. The hearts of the people will be for the ministry and the urgency of the hour. The emphasis will increase on practical ministry to the community. Transform hearts will be liberal in serving and liberal in giving. We see that in scripture that people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. Uh, in the New Testament church, we see that they were selling their 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 property and bringing it to the apostles. Say, here, take this money and do ministry with it. Remember, that was Ananias and Sapphira's problem. They sold property and lied about how much they got from it. And uh, it was interesting. Peter didn't say, you lied to me. He said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and uh, that didn't settle too well with them. They dropped both. Husband and wife fell down dead, and they got carried out of the church. You know, that would solve a lot of church problems, actually. <laughs> <laughs> We just, we'll just bring you in front of the church and say, you've caused problems and let the Holy Ghost deal with it. <laughs> 19, I'll move on. 19. Um, there will be less, and again, I think this is going back to some of the things from the turn of the century where we can look at, but less emphasis on denominational structure not that denominations aren't important, but there will be less emphasis on the denominational structure and greater emphasis on inner church relationships. Uh, denomination, God help us, that would be awesome. The denominations will, will once again not be the denomination, but the fellowship of ministers. That's, what, that's really how the assembly started. It was a fellowship of ministers and a missions-sending organization. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a denomination. And so it's interesting how far we've, we can move from that. I actually was having a conversation not long ago with someone that said that this shift is already happening in some of the mainline denominations where they're recognizing the, the local pastor has very little relationship with the district offices or state offices. They have more relationship and more influence with churches and mentors on their own level. And so they, they would be more apt, local pastors are more apt to have inner church relationship and covering from other pastors that they respect and honor than a, than a state official. It's very interesting uh, because we've, that, and that's really how, that was, that really was the Assemblies of God when, when it was launched in the early 1900s. But it, and, and I'm not just talking about the Assemblies, but in general, how far we've moved away from that model. It's very, very interesting. Uh, and I'm not saying that anything's, please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying anything's wrong with the Assemblies. I'm not one of those doomsayers that every, you know, every denomination's messed up. We all have our issues. <laughs> we all have our shortcomings. And to be quite honest, out of, out of all the denominations that are out there that are Pentecostal, I think the Assemblies are probably the best thing afloat. Uh, so out of all the, they've withstood, the Assemblies of God has withstood a lot of storms and a lot of tests and a lot of trials. Uh, they may not be perfect, but they're still floating. <laughs> it's a big deal. Uh, number 20, this is the last one, greater emphasis on the authority of the local church uh, and that 
we've had a, there's been a development over the years of what I call, for, for lack of a better term, Lone Ranger Ministries where people get offended with the pastor, they get offended with church people, and they just go start their own ministry, their own whatever, they, they go do their own thing. Um, as persecution increases, as finances in people's personal lives decrease, for whether economic issues or whatever, you know, Jim and I were actually just having this conversation not long ago about the economy, and, and the, the future of the economy doesn't look that great, you know, there are things out there that's like, okay, if we, if we go down this path, how far do we go, and what's going to happen with our economy, and uh, there's, a, there's reality there, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to, you know, preach this doomsday message, but it's reality, Today's, you know, that there, there is something financially that has to happen within our world that creates and makes way for a one world currency, one, war, one world order. So obviously there's got to be some sort of collapse or something has to transpire. Uh, so with that happening, the, the, the finances and the funding for ministry diminishes. And so people that are operating on themselves or lone rangers that those funds start dwindling. They start going away. So very practically, you can see how just practically Lone Ranger and people that are trying to do their own thing will not survive well. Um, and I think with the emphasis on the local church and, and the people's hearts getting in line with God, in line with the local church, that money's coming back in. You know, does that make sense? And with that, I would also add, I'm, I'll wrap this up. <laughs> um, with that, I'll, I'll add this thought that there will be a greater need of practical teaching on living healthy um, and taking care of yourself physically. And, and, I, and I don't mean that in any disrespect. And, and, I, and I, it's not something that you're going to hear you know, from the pulpit other than me just mentioning it. I think that's a great practical teaching, um, and the teachers need to teach it. But... Um, that's, you know, as the, as the pastor, that's not my preaching, it's not my message, but, but I think it's a great teaching. Um, and the reason for that is I think we are, we are beginning to see uh, the, this whole healthcare thing, everything, it's going to be very hard to see a doctor. Um, it's going to be very hard with the medications, all those things. I think there's coming a day where we're going to have to get back to the basics of healthy living and taking care of ourselves. I know you don't want to hear this, <laughs> uh, but it's very true that we're going to have to get back to organic, natural, and, and living healthy and eating right. And uh, we've, we've really done ourselves a disservice in our, in our generation. Um, so I think that we're going to see all of those things. It's all, it's all coming to a head. It's all coming to a head. Jesus is coming back. And uh, someone text me. I'll wrap up with this thought. Uh, we want to receive communion, so I'm going to ask those who are serving communion to go ahead and get ready. But um, and the and the worship team can come back. I had someone text me. I posted a thing online. You know, you got to be careful what you post. <laughs> I posted a video of of this company in Sweden that's putting computer chips and and people and and it was just it was a great interesting video but this this company in Sweden is putting chips in their employees so that they can operate the copier get in the building and they just put their hands up to it you know uh, which is great you know it's great for you know convenience <laughs> but uh, you know who knows where that's headed in a few years but anyway so I had someone text me and I'm not saying that that's the mark of the beast it very well could be but we don't know scripture doesn't say but um I had someone text me after I posted that and said, 
So, someone not from here. So, I saw that post. Do you think, um, have you thought about how you're going to survive during that time? And you know, how are you going to pay for food? And I started asking, and I'm just like, and so I looked at Heather and I said, are they really asking me this? Because <laughs> the reality is, is no, I haven't thought about it. No, I don't have a plan. And uh, I, I really don't care to have a plan, actually, because I know that it, I know whom I have believed. Well, you're just being, you're just not being prepared. No, I'm very prepared. <laughs> I'm very prepared. I'm very secure in whom I've believed in. And if he's brought me this far, does that mean it might get tight and uncomfortable? And yeah, it might. It might. <laughs> but Jesus might come back. And that's what I'm looking forward to. So why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.